and thank you. Welcome to Hitting the High Notes, the Utah Jazz Podcast, uh, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Uh, my name is Hu Tran. I'm hosting today, and I got a great guest. We have Dan Clayton from the Salt City Hoops. Hi, Dan. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you for being here. Um, uh, we're a brand new podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network, and we're just getting ready to talk to the Jazz. It's an ex- exciting time. Uh, the Pelicans beat the Kings today, tonight, so the Jazz are now officially in the playoffs. Playoff bound, Utah Jazz. It is. It is official. I was. I was tweeting earlier today that there was a zero point ten straight zeros, one 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 percent chance of the Jazz missing, and now there's a zero point zero chance. Uh, the the Jazz have clinched. They, um, you know, they got in winning eight of nine, but they also got in on an off night, which always feels a little weird. But at least they're in. They're a playoff team now. Yeah, the, right now the Jazz are kind of in a weird spot. Um, like we've uh, the Jazz have played pretty well uh, the past couple of weeks, but the strength of the schedule has just been just really bad, and uh, it feels uh, it feels odd. Like it feels like it was a foregone conclusion that the Jazz were going to win a bunch of these games to get into the playoffs. So the excitement hasn't has been hasn't been there. Uh, we don't even have to talk about Lakers Jazz because that game was <laughs> the Lakers were missing seven guys, six guys, so including LeBron. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean they barely were the Lakers, right? Like yeah. half the guys, half the guys that we saw take the floor in in yellow last night were, um, you know, were on like ten day contracts or make good contract. You know, like it it was a ragged bunch of people. We can barely refer to them as Lakers, but you know, look, we we said all fall and winter long when the Jazz were kind of slogging through a really tough stretch of schedule, not just tough in terms of opponent strength, but in terms of all the travel they had to do. They were just traveling nonstop for the first two to three months of the season. And we kept saying, you know, don't worry, everybody, don't worry. The Jazz are going to, you know, the, the schedule is going to pay them back later. Um, the Jazz are going to have a chance to to make up for, for some of this tough, uh, you know, this tough early record. And that's exactly what's happening now. So it's, you're right. It's not as exciting, maybe, you know, we're seeing other Western Conference playoff teams go down the stretch playing exciting playoff style games while the Jazz are beating lottery teams by 15, 25, 30 points. But, you know, the Jazz earned the right by by surviving the tough part of their schedule to now spend the month of March and the and the first part of April beating up on lotto teams. And like I'm hesitant to say that the Jazz are playing better. Like what if they're just playing the same as they have been all year and now with, you know, everything lightening up, you light lightening up, you can see that the Jazz are, you know, the Jazz have always been a playoff team this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I do think they're playing better on the macro. Like, you know, the Laker game was a good example of a game where, you know, like they were uh, several guys were having a hard time making wide open shots, meaning, you know, they were executing the offense. The offense was working. It was producing open threes and guys like Tabo Crowder, even Donovan and, and Kyle Korver were missing open shots. And, you know, against any other team, you might, you might not get away with, missing a bunch of uncontested threes but against the lakers you can but i think you know that's that's outcome as opposed to process right quinn snyder always talks about process versus outcome and and i do think that the jazz's process has been really really solid um really since the start of the year and and it took a while for it to reflect in their record but i think they're playing well and in particular I, i think they've 
remembered that they're a team that wins games on the defensive end. And so I've been impressed with how connected they've been down there. Right. And the Jazz, I'm, uh, uh, like, I'm a, you were one of the the sane voices or the proponents of waiting for the schedule to lighten up for the jazz later in the season. Cause we, we know jazz fans like to, you know, live and die by live and die by the sword or live and die by every game. Uh, when it was looking bleak for the jazz in the beginning, beginning of the year. So if you're not following Dan Clayton on uh, Twitter right now, go, go give him a follow. It's at Dan Clayton instead of a, Oh, it's a zero in his last name, but um, he'll keep you sane folks. He'll keep you sane. <laughs> Well, I don't know about sane, but I will at least inject some balance and some context into the conversation. I, I mean, you know, yeah, it was just it was it was nuts how unbalanced the schedule was this year. It was tough last year too, but last year they also had the factor of Rudy Gobert missing, you know, twenty some odd game, twenty six games. I think he wound up missing. So, you know, last year's discrepancy between the first half and the second half had a lot to do with that. This year, just the difference between their schedule and, and particularly that that travel that I mentioned. Um, so, you know, you just really have to keep that in mind when you're assessing a team in, in November, December, January. And that's why I kept telling people, don't watch the standings. Watch, watch projection models that say where the Jazz are headed overall. Because even though, you know, there can be some fool's gold in that, like at the end of the day, you know, in April, when they count up the standings, nobody cares what your projected wins were. They care how many you, you won. Um, but if you watch that, you know, all throughout the season, the Jazz never very, you know, never deviated much from a win projection of like 48 to 52 wins. And that's right where they're going to finish. So even when things were tough, the Jazz were actually winning the game. You know, broadly speaking, they had some bad losses and they had some impressive wins but broadly speaking they were doing what they were supposed to be doing all along and it was just you know this it it was them responding to their schedule strength largely and and then obviously you know it took them a while to really start clicking defensively like they are now sorry that was a long answer no that's fine like i I am going to clip part of that answer so next year if the jazz start faltering (laughs) say that for everybody remember you it know, can be your ringtone. Exactly. So <laughs> um, uh, luckily, the Jazz, well, I don't, I don't know if it's lucky. The Jazz's strength of schedule has has been the easiest since, what, the All-Star break uh, of all the teams after having one of the hardest or the hardest strength of schedule at the beginning of the year, the big switch. It's nice that you provide balance. You're like, you're like the Thanos of the NBA world, just trying to get balance for everybody. But um, – uh, the strength of schedule, it feels like it could be a detriment to the Jazz right now because they're not playing at the highest level they could be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I've talked a little bit about that, and I, I think that's been an interesting discussion in, in the you know Jazz online community, Twitter and elsewhere. This notion that, you know, if... If I if I'm in a basketball league in in the summers and the level of competition is high, and I get ready for that basketball league by going to the playground down the street from me here in Brooklyn and you know beating up on some 15 year old kids, um, then like am I really preparing myself? Right, bad analogy perhaps, but I you know I do think there's something to be said for um, the other playoff teams already kind of living in this night to night playoff intensity, right? I just watched the, the end of Houston, Denver and, um, and okay, that one wasn't very intense because Houston won it going away. But the point is like, they're, they're living those games every night while the jazz are mostly facing teams that 
don't really care about the outcome and aren't fielding their best team. And, um, and I, you know, I think it's, I don't know, it's, it's a mixed bag because obviously the jazz like the fact that they get to, you know, hone and sharpen their game. They like the fact that they're probably going to go into the playoffs having won, you know, right now they've won eight of nine. They'll probably go in having won. I mean, the starters know. have been the starters have been sitting fourth quarters uh, lately. Yeah, they've had such big leads. Right, Joe Ingles can't even get a triple double for Pete's sake because he's too busy sitting. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, you know, bottom line is, um, I, I do think that they like the fact that they'll enter with some momentum, but you know, the reality is they're going to have to manufacture some of that intensity that other teams have been. Um, you know, thriving and testing themselves in. Now, I also, I mean, I, I'm sure we've we've both been to playoff games. We both understand that there's kind of an inherent, like nobody's going to have to wake them up for the playoffs. I'm not saying that. That's ludicrous. The playoffs just have their own sort of inherent um, and, there, and natural energy to them. There's something to say about like uh, the focus. Like they've, it feels like their focus has not been as sharp lately. Uh, and luckily they've had games where they can just have little lapses here. Like the first half last night against the Lakers, the jazz were a little unfocused and let just like little things like they let, let scores that they probably wouldn't let happen if they were like 100% focused. And I know that these guys are professional athletes and I, I think a lot of fans expect them to always be on their A game, but it's human nature. You know, it's everybody's looking I mean, the Lakers are looking, you know, in two weeks for their next star to come. And half these guys aren't going to be on the team. The other half don't know if they're going to be traded. So there's, there's a yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, like, I, you know, I didn't see anything against the Lakers that, that made me concerned about the Jazz. I, I do think, like I said, they they missed some shots that, that usually need to go down for the offense to work against a good team. Um, but you know, they held the Lakers to a hundred points on something like 106 possessions. So their, their D rating was great. I, I thought their focus, I think their focus has been good. I, I just think, in fact, you know, one thing that I've liked that they've been doing lately is even though they have a big game, a, a big lead going into the fourth quarter, they've been kind of sticking with their regular rotation until the last three or four minutes. And I know that that makes a lot of fans nervous because everybody, you know, wants players to be in bubble wrap and not get hurt. But, you know, I like the fact that it's important to Quinn Snyder that, you know, Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell and everybody else kind of stays in their usual rhythm and and is used to, you know, I'm going to get off the bench at that point. I'm going to go back into the game and I, I need to stay mentally plugged in because I'm going to. So, I, you know, I think I'm I'm fine with where the Jazz are at mentally. I just it remains to be seen if, you know, playing three or four weeks worth of soft teams is going to sap a little from their, from their edge. Now they do also end the season with Denver and the Clippers. So yeah. that helps, right? Like yeah, there's a little helps. natural stepping stone up to playoff, uh, you know, to a playoff type atmosphere. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, all right, well, we're done with that. Like it's like a pre playoffs almost like that with, with not as many stakes involved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, the Jazz had a game like that last year. Remember, they had a game against Portland on. Was it the last game of the season that they had against Portland or is it second to last? Yeah, it was one of the it was one of those two. I think it was actually the second to last. 
And it was a game that literally if the Jazz won, they would take over the third seed. And if Portland won, they would hold on to the third seed. So it was it was very literally like a like a play in game in that sense. Right. And the Jazz kind of pooched it. And it turns out that it didn't matter. It wound up being a little bit of a practice playoff game for them. And they got their butts kicked. But then they showed up the following weekend and, you know, got their game tuned up for Oklahoma City. So, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter that much. Like, they're going to walk into a to a gym in the playoffs in the first round, and it's going to be buzzing with energy and with that great playoff emotion that we've all experienced. And I, and I don't think they're going to have to fake it or pretend that they haven't been playing the, you know, the Lakers and the Suns. I, I, I think it'll kind of come naturally when they get in that environment. We'll see, though. And um, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, you know, hit the subscribe button, download the, the podcast. Uh, right now we're on Anchor FM. I hope, hopefully, um, uh, soon it'll be on iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff. Follow the Jazz uh, at Jazz High Notes on Twitter. Um, and um, uh, yeah, stay, keep along. We're, we try to do a couple of these podcasts twice per week. So, um, speaking of the playoff picture, a lot or playoff seeding, it, it's it, I hate using this cliche, but the West is so wild. It's so crazy that right now four through eight, even three. I mean, Houston's probably not going to, but there's there is a chance that Houston falls from the third spot. Um, but even if the Jazz like end up with home court advantage, what like what's the playoff scenarios that make you feel? I, I don't know if the comfortable is the right word, but who would who do you think the Jazz match up best against in the playoffs? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to give you a non-answer first and then we can talk about actual answers. I love I'm going to play coy here for a minute. Um, what I've said all along, and I, I think this is true. I, I think every single Western conference playoff team is a team. Um, maybe, maybe, you know, golden state aside and, and Houston kind of aside, but in their own little category, like I think everybody else in the Houston Rockets is tier two, and everybody else is kind of in that in that third tier. Yeah, yeah. Or I would even, or I would even call it like Golden State tier of their own. Houston is like two A, and everyone else is two B. I don't think Houston. Is, I'm not as afraid of Houston as everyone else is, to be honest with you. Um, especially because they have key guys that are kind of going in and out of the lineup. Eric Gordon has has been day to day with some injury stuff. Kenneth Farid, I think. Um, I, I haven't checked. I think he missed tonight's game. Um, you know, Chris Paul is at an age where he has it some nights. He doesn't have it other nights. Um, it's still like 70-30, which is great, but there are going to be nights that, you know, a guy in his upper 30s is going to struggle, and that's fine. He was, he's the one that torched the Jazz last season in the playoffs, those mid-range jumpers. Yeah. yeah. The, Jazz had a, the Jazz had a defensive scheme that was really working to limit Harden. And it meant that they were giving up mid-range pull-ups to Chris Paul. That's that's the shot they decided they were going to live with. And Chris yeah. Paul, who's maybe the best mid-range <laughs> shooting guard in the history of the game, just said, thank you very much. And, um, and you know, Rubio didn't play in that series and Exum left that series late and whatever. Like, there are a lot of con- there's a lot of context there. But I guess what I'm saying is this. Um, the Jazz feel, whether it's true or not in the case of Houston and Golden State, the Jazz feel like they can beat any of those teams in seven games if they play hard, if they avoid injury, if they have a great game. I mean, basically, it's a great game plan and health, and then you execute your game plan. Um, 
Guess what, though? The opposite is also true. Any of these teams can beat the Jazz if they have a great, if they have a better game plan, execute better, and stay healthy. Right. So, like, just like a couple of weeks ago, everybody was kind of almost wishing they could play the San Antonio Spurs, and then the Spurs ran off nine out of ten wins in a row, or whatever it was. Yeah, the the Clippers, which you know look like the the great paper tigers of the playoff race, have won eleven out of twelve. Um, now, you know, some of that is schedule for them too. They they still haven't beat a playoff team on the road since before the All-Star break. Um, it was early February the last time they beat someone on the road, and that was Denver. Um, so, you know, like, I, like we should qualify what winning 11 out of 12 looks like for the Clippers. We should qualify that San Antonio's run has mostly been home games. And then when they started to hit the road, they lost to Houston, they lost to Charlotte, et cetera. But the bottom line is any of these teams can catch fire. Any of these teams have guys who understand playoff basketball, who can get in a mode, who can make things tough for the Utah Jazz. And at the end of the day, it's just about making plays. It's just about which team makes the most plays. It feels like the Jazz ran away from Oklahoma City last year. Guess what? They didn't. They didn't. I, I mean, they won four games to two, but only one of those games was a blowout. All of those games could have gone the other way if – a guy's a little slower to a loose ball. If a call goes the different a different direction, if the play calling is a little bit less sharp from the bench, I mean, you know, the wrong sub, the right sub. Phil Jackson, who you know, Jazz fans hate him, but he's a, one of the winningest coaches in in basketball history. He has this phrase that things turn on a trifle, and if you think about, you know, I, I mean, the Jazz to win, even to win their clinching game six at home. They had to survive. Do you remember that crazy final possession where uh, Oklahoma City got like four straight attempts and they kept tapping it out for offensive rebounds? And and then the, the last of those four attempts was uh, a shot where Paul George thought he got fouled. And it was probably a correct no call if you look at the rules, but it was also a call that guys like Paul George often get. Like that's what the Jazz weathered. And, right. it, and if the Jazz had to even come back in that game, like they started out, on the ropes, like the thunder came out uh, and hit him in the face almost. Yeah. So I, I just don't think the jazz are head and shoulders better than anybody in this field. I don't think they're head and shoulders behind anybody in this field. I think in, in each of these four first round series, except again, you know, golden state's kind of in a league of their own right now. Um, right. They, they have some funky things going on personnel wise. And I'll, and I'll tell you, like, if you listen to the way, that Ricky and Rudy and others have talked even after the Jazz have lost games to Golden State. They the Jazz believe they have a chance. But but let's let's like set that to the side for a minute and just pretend that Golden State is untouchable. Any <laughs> of the rest of these teams is a team that Utah that, that Utah could beat or or they could get clobbered. Right. It's just it's the I mean the West is so loaded right now. And the, I I mean a couple of weeks ago, people were saying, "Oh, well, if we match up against Denver in the three-six matchup, that wouldn't be too bad." Or it's just—it's just one of those things that these guys, like the Jazz, have played well against Denver the last couple games, but also Denver guards haven't really shown up. If all of a sudden Jamal Murray and Gary Harris start hitting shots, those games are way different. Right, right, and um, you know, and and Portland, by the way, Portland beat the Jazz by twenty-seven this season in a game that Yusuf Nurkic missed. So, I, you know, I get that the Nurkic injury is big for Portland and changes the trajectory. But if you're a Jazz fan, I don't think you can look at that and say, um, 
you know, oh, Portland's definitely behind the Jazz right now, right? <clears throat> Losing Catcher, Nurkic is... Im- yeah, Catcher and Hood um, uh, may not be the best defensively, but they, <laughs> they, bring a lot of off- they bring a lot of offensive firepower. Jazz well, and what... It, but Catcher... And, and, go ahead. Go ahead, sorry. I was just say Catcher, um, uh, you know, he, he gets his stats and sometimes he gets his L's, but it's a playoffs... <laughs> Well, and and Dame has just been phenomenal for the last month or so. He's he's been great. They're another team that let's see. Let me do the math real quick. They have won uh, eight of their last nine as well. And if you go back to the All Star break, they are um, they are thirteen and four since the All Star break. So you know, is that is the Nurk injury going to be tough for them to overcome? Of course, because Nurk, with if you take Nurk out of their system, you don't just miss out on that production. You don't just miss out on, you know, whatever he's averaging 17 points and 12 rebounds or whatever. I'm making that up. You like Nurk is important enough to how they play on offense with the pick and roll and on defense with, you know, their drop big and, and, you know, Nurk is a good defender um, as a last line, you know, as a last line defender and as kind of a contained big guy. So losing him like, changes the way that they're going to have to play. And I don't mean to discount that, but again, they without Nurk beat the jazz by 27 this season. So that's what I mean. Like some, somebody's going to show up with a better game plan and, and their guys are going to execute a better. And that's, who's going to win each of these four Western conference first round series. Exactly. And um, it's, I, I look at the playoff matchups. I'm scared for each, each of them because I mean, I know the jazz can win, but, there, there are no easy games out there, and uh, I know there's some Jazz fans who they're upset that the Jazz didn't make a trade at the trade deadline. Uh, this, so here's the thing, I guess. I, I think there are some Jazz fans who feel like making the playoffs is nice, but it's almost like playing the lottery. Like you have it, you know, making the playoffs means you have a chance to win the championship, but the Warriors are still there, and if you don't make a move to win the championship, then um, you're you're kind of dead in the water, and. I think the Jazz, you know, they. I mean, they have a, they have as good a chance as anybody um, to, you know, get an upset. But uh, what if the Jazz lose in the first round? What if they, you know, end up in the four five matchup uh, with Houston and 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 losing seven? Um, would that be a disappointment? Would that would that would that be a disappointing season for the Jazz? Well, I think it, I think to your point, it would feel like a disappointing season to a lot of fans, even if even if it represented kind of progress in the broader sense, like if you look at teams that that work their way up the mountain, um, you know, including John and Carl, when the, when the, when the Stockton and Malone jazz were getting good, they, you know, surprised everybody and went to the second round and they were out in the first round Then they went to the conference finals. Then they were out in the first round and, and so forth. So, you know, learning how to win and lose in the postseason is a bit of a, of a long process. Um, and I think it's entirely possible that the Jazz could um, could it, it accomplish some really important long-term progress in the sense of, you know, learning things about their roster, getting Donovan and Rudy some experience leading the team in, in different settings in, the, in playoff games, and, and then still lose in the first round or, or, you know, advance and get clobbered by the Rockets or Warriors in the second round. And fans would feel like, oh, dang, you know, they they stagnated or they took a step backwards. I don't necessarily think that's true because, again, I, I just think all of these Western Conference teams are so close that, you know, 
I wrote a big column last summer after the Jazz beat OKC and said, hey guys, the Jazz are not in a different tier than OKC now. They're not irrevocably and forever better than OKC. They're still right in OKC's tier. And OKC, and they're going to keep battling OKC and other teams for years, and they're going to win some, and they're going to lose some. And, and uh, so, you know, if you, if you think about it that way, um, hopefully whenever the Jazz do get, get eliminated from the playoffs, um, you know, ho- hopefully we can ho- put our finger in the dam of emotions and try to keep people from, <laughs> from a, a huge breakdown. It's just part of the process, you know? Yeah, I think I'm a, I, I think there'll be some fans, a, a majority of fans, or a, maybe a good minor majority of fans that would be upset if the Jazz just, quote, you know, air quotes, just got to the second round again and lost. Like, you know, if you look at it in context, you know, that means they're a top four team in the West for the past three years. And that would be, that is something because, you know, as we talked about, how like who else, do, who else does that besides the Warriors and the Rockets? Right. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I totally agree. And, um, and, and, you know, it's not like the jazz, it's not like the jazz don't know that they're still a piece away. Like the jazz know that they were active at the trade deadline. They tried to make some things work. Nothing worked on the terms that, that, uh, you know, matched with some of their other priorities, including thinking about the future. So, um, you know, it's, it's clear to anyone who's paying attention that it's not like, Dennis Lindsay forgot that it was trade deadline day. They they didn't make trades because nothing, you know, nothing hit all of the sweet spots. And, and frankly, because it takes two teams to trade. Right. So like, I know that the jazz were in some discussions that didn't even really get talked about too heavily. Um, because, because the jazz made an offer and the jazz are very good at just, the jazz are very good at keeping um, uh, the rumors quiet. Yeah, yeah. And if the other team doesn't really engage with you or there's not a lot of back and forth, then those ones never get out. But that doesn't mean that the Jazz weren't trying. So regardless of the outcome of this spring, they'll be looking at, at ways to add some more scoring, to add another another guy who at whatever position can sort of manufacture his own shot, manufacture some buckets, because there are times when Don is the only guy who can do that for Utah and, and they know that and they recognize that it's that it's been a liability in, in certain games in the latter half of the season. But, uh, you know, that's something they're going to address, whether they surprise everybody and crash the conference finals or whether they're done in six or seven games this spring. And I'm part of the, for the off season, as soon as the, the minute after the tread deadline passed, I became part of the, I trust in Dennis Lindsay off season. Um, ever since DL has taken over, I have felt like they've almost won every off season they've gone into even small signings like Tabo and um, just even those like small deals felt like wins. Even when they lost Gordon Hayward, I thought, okay, well, we'll have to reload, but it's not a you know five or six year reload. I didn't think it was going to be you know, <laughs> three month reload. Month reload. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, I do think because um, there are a lot of fans out there who I guess are under the impression that the only way the Jazz could get another star is by trade, and I. I can't get myself to think that that's how DL thinks. If if DL thought that way, I don't I don't think he's doing his job. I think he's got plans upon plans, a plan A through a plan Z uh, about how to get some guys to come to Utah and finding people who fit uh, not just the culture but fit the team chemistry. Uh, you're a big proponent of 
you know, we can't just sign a guy who plays no defense because Rudy can cover it because you're a big team defense guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I think if you look at the moves that Dennis Lindsay has made, a lot of them, he's actually, <clears throat> um, I want to be careful how I say this because I, I don't want to like sound like I'm putting anyone on blast. But <laughs> in some cases, they've actually made moves that look like a downgrade from an absolute talent standpoint, right? Like Alec Burks, for all of his warts, is an electric scorer who can create off the bounce and the Jazz traded him for a 37-year-old guy. Like oh, that, man. you know, and then, and then they turned into an elite team overnight. <laughs> so was, um, I, I've said this on Twitter, but every time I see people or every time I see a new stat about the Kyle Corver trade, I think back to the trade or when that trade happened and all these people came out of the woodwork who were upset about trading Alec. And I was like, I don't understand what's going on right now. <laughs> we, we say we want yeah. the jazz to have three point shooting. The jazz made a trade to get a three point shooter and gave up. Nothing against AB, but they gave up a guy who wasn't adding that much to the Jazz roster. I felt it was I felt like it was a home run and I couldn't believe how many people were against that trade. Or or they took Rodney Hood's role and through trades and a shrewd signing, they wound up reallocating his role to Royce O'Neal, which again, like in a macro level, that looks like a downgrade. It might not be if you think about both ends of the court and playing winning basketball and all those things, but that, um, or, or Joe Johnson to Jay Crowder. Now Joe was a little bit washed, but if you just walk up to someone on a playground and, and say, who's better Joe Johnson or Jay Crowder. So that's what I mean. Like the jazz aren't afraid to go after a guy who is, who, who looks a little bit less like a marquee name, but who fits what they're trying to do and, and who they're trying to be. But, but I think you're absolutely right that, Dennis thinks, let me put it this way. I, everybody I talk to who's, who's connected, who talks to Dennis, who talks to Justin Zanuck and David Morway, um, they have all communicated to me that there is a confidence about the jazz's ability to get in front of free agents this summer that, that I don't think that level of confidence exists if they don't kind of already have a sense that their story is resonating with some players around the league. Um, I, now that just means they'll get an audience. That doesn't mean they'll sign guys. It's, it's obviously, you know, when a player like Chris Middleton hits the free agent market or Tobias Harris, those guys will have 30 teams to choose from and half of them will offer them the max. So it's still going to be tough to land one, but the jazz and Lindsay in particular are, are again, they're, confident about their chance um to make a case to free agents this summer and it's a it's a degree of confidence that i've that i've heard multiple times from multiple different angles that makes me think oh man they 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 know that what they're building here in utah has gotten some attention around the league and I think that's the I think that's the proper amount of confidence to have I mean just even the casual fan you can see it the this team is I, growing Year by yeah. year. Yeah, I'm stopping just short of saying, like, I don't think they're doing any full-on tampering or anything like that. I just, no, I think they I mean, know, I think they know that there are some guys who would fit, who are also interested in what they're doing and what they're building. I mean, they're they're tampering within the, when you, the, the way that everybody tampers in the NBA. So, um, uh, and you heard it here first, Dan Clayton says the Jazz are signing Chris Middleton. <laughs> I'm clipping I, that, everybody. <laughs> 
I think they'll be. I think they'll be in discussions with some people that that might surprise them. That might come as a surprise today, right? Like, like on July first, we'll hear some things and we'll go, "Oh, really? Okay." That's that's sort of what I'm predicting. I love the NBA offseason. I love the NBA trade deadline. Like it just gives everybody, it gives all thirty teams hope that they, you know, that something can happen. So that's great. Um, real quick before we leave, uh, what are your what are your thoughts about Don and uh, Rudy for all NBA teams? Uh, I think it's going to be tough for for Mitchell. Honestly, um, he's kind of fallen. Be- he's kind of fallen a little in the past couple of weeks too. Well, it's not only that, it's just that like positionally it's so crowded there that I, I just haven't even seen him get a lot of buzz, um, you know, from, from articles and call. Yeah, exactly. I, I, you know, and, and also, you know, like he can, he can force the conversation a little bit if the jazz do get to 51, 52 wins and, and wind up crashing the top four. Um, I just think it'll be tough for him because it's, it's crowded on those wing spots. Rudy, I think, you know, I think Rudy has a solid shot um, at getting that third team spot. Um, we'll see. I, I, um, you know, it, it, it complicates things moving forward too, in terms of finances. Cause once guys start making all NBA teams, you're the, you're the salary cap master for Utah jazz fans. Does, so if he makes an all NBA team or if he wins the defensive player of the year this year, he's in line for a super max, right? Well, it's a little more complicated with him because he's still got years left on his contract. So in his case, he'd have to either make it two out of the three, two out of the next three years, or he'd have to make it the year immediately before he re-enters free agency. So it's not like an automatic thing, but but I just mean that like <clears throat> once they once they achieve that status, I, I think it's gonna be um, you know, it's gonna be something the Jazz are gonna have to think about budgeting for because, you know. Rudy's a free agent in a couple of years. They've they've got a while to worry about Donovan. You know they'll they'll need to extend him. In, in I, mean, I uh, think if somehow Donovan did grab an All NBA spot, he would be uh, he would be in line for the Ru- Rose uh, contract, the Rose Rule contract. I think. Yep. So so then he could get a slightly higher max deal instead of getting twenty five percent of the cap, he could get thirty percent of the cap. Um, so you know, it's just it's just something to keep in mind. I, now, the Jazz philosophy on stuff like this is like they would rather their guys they they would rather their guys achieve those benchmarks, even if it costs them more money. Because if a guy is making the All NBA team, that's like that's the best case scenario. Like that's worth whatever you have to pay. Um, that's worth thirty five or thirty percent of your cap to get a player who's playing at that level. Same thing with like all these incentives. The Jazz. The Jazz don't write these incentives into player contracts because they're cheap and want to save money. They want favors to hit as incentives. They wanted Exum. They badly wanted Exum to play 67 games and earn his uh, his incentive for that. Like they want guys making the money because it means that uh, it means that they're really showing out and that they're progressing and, and that the Jazz are getting better as a team. Yeah, shout out, shout out to all the people still on Exum Island. Hi everybody, how you doing? I'm I'm uh, over here. I'm over here. <laughs> yeah, we like the real estate is prime. Everybody, there's lots of space out here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, we'll we'll have to talk again because like uh, like I have thoughts about the supermax that I I won't get into today. But um, this has been a great talk, Dan. Thank you for coming on, um, and you know giving us these great thoughts about the Jazz playoff run. Um, anything else that you want to talk about, Jazz, while we while we're here? Uh, 
No, just uh, thanks for having me. You're, you've always been um, great to interact with. You're obviously one of the one of the smart and and engaging people out there, which is um, you know why I why I did this. And uh, it's always fun to see new um, new channels and new podcasts pop up for um, you know for the jazz community. So best of luck, and uh, glad I could be part of one of your early episodes. I have to, I have to use a sarcasm filter with Dan, uh, with Dan a lot because uh, you know people who know me know, know I'm sarcastic. Dan doesn't know me personally, so he, <laughs> you know, I was trying to rib him. And I, I wasn't. So, uh, well, thanks for joining us, everybody, for another episode of Hitting the High Notes. Uh, again, subscribe on Anchor FM, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, follow me at, at Jazz High Notes. That's the the business account. I would say um, you can follow me on my personal accounts too. I'll link them there. I mean, my personal accounts right now are are basically just, I'm watching Game of Thrones for the first time. So if you want to see those comments, follow <laughs> me. <laughs> so, uh, Dan, you know, thanks. Let's do this again. Um, uh, keep our schedule clear. Um, uh, I, hope, I hope basketball goes better for you next week. All right. We'll, uh, we'll see. Thanks. <laughs> thanks a lot, man.